Today we're going to get into the word. We're going to turn to Hebrews 4. Verse 12. And if we could all stand out of reverence for the word of the Lord. Hebrews 4 and 12. It says, For the word of God is quick, it is powerful, and sharper than any two edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit, and of the joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. The thoughts and the intents of the heart. I want to talk to you today about the sword. The power of the sword when applied to our life. If you will, if you'll lay down that holy word and you lift your hands, let's ask the Lord today to begin to do a work on our hearts today through his word. Jesus, in your mighty name, I pray, God, if you would, let your word convict us today. Let your word challenge us today. God, let your word begin to do operation upon us. God, begin to get into where we are. God, begin to get into our heart. Begin to do a work on us, Jesus. God, I pray, God, let us see the importance of your word, Jesus. Let us see, God, what it can be for us and what it can do for us. If we simply apply it to our life, apply it to our homes, apply it to our families, apply it to our relationships, apply it to our job, apply it to every aspect of our life, Lord, we will change because it is impossible, God, to apply the word and not change God because you Lord you will change who we are when we give everything to you we thank you Lord anoint your word today God anoint me as I bring forth your word today in Jesus name we pray everybody said amen you may be seated the word of God this word the Bible is to be cherished when you understand what it truly is, you will desire to have it in your life. You see, I talked about last week, revelation. Revelation will lead to worship. And worship will lead to... I want to see if anybody was listening. Release. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Revelation of who he is. And the revelation of who he is right here, that he is the word. When you get revelation of what the Bible is and how important it truly is in your life, you can't help but want to apply it to your life. And it will, I promise you, it will change who you are. 2 Timothy 3, 16, 17 says, All scripture is given by inspiration of God. And it is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction and in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. And see, we we love we love the word. We love the word when it makes us feel good. Got one right. We love the word of God when we hear it, and it makes us feel good. I talk about hope, I talk about peace, I could talk about love, I could talk about stuff, I could talk about those things, but when we start getting into the place of correction and instruction, it's kind of like, Ugh. hold up, hold up. Now I miss Dion. He's right there about there, he'd say, give it to us, Pastor. 
He got a new job, got a promotion. He has to work Sunday morning. So we're going to pray about that. Amen. Man. We need reproof. We need correction. We need instruction. We need, why, why do we need these things? Because that is what leads us to a place of righteousness. This is what brings us to a place of holy living. If we don't have instruction, if we don't have correction sometimes, then how do we know what God is pleased with? I said it Wednesday night in our Bible study that if you ever want to know instructions or direction for anything in life, don't go to your friends. They'll give you something. You know, don't, don't, don't get on the psychic hotline. Pastor, they read my mail. No, they're good at pulling the right questions, uh, answers out of you. And then they fool you. It's either that or they're dabbling in spirits you don't want to be around. Amen. You want to know truth and you want correction and instruction and direction in life, get into the Word of God. Let the Word be opened unto you. Open the Word of God. Sit down, open it up, begin to study, begin to do research into it, begin to try to dig into it to figure out what exactly. Lord, I'm facing this. What is it? Through prayer in the Word, God will give you revelation. I promise you that. And then once he gives you revelation through his word, you're going to go into a place of worship, and I promise you God's going to release that thing from your life. See how this all ties together? It all starts right here with the word of God. Romans 15 and 4 says, For whatever things were written before were written for our learning, that we through the patience and comfort of the scriptures might have hope. That's where our hope comes from. People ask, how in the world, in the midst of everything going on right now in the world, how do you, why, why are you so hopeful that everything's going to be all right? Because I'm in the Word of God. And I understand that before any of us were here, and I understand that before the world was here, before the heavens ever, before the stars were ever there, I understand the Word, which is right here. He is the Word. That the word spoke into nothingness and made something. So I have hope because the one I worship, the one who holds me in his hands, is the same one who spoke and created everything around me. So therefore, I know he's in full control of what is going on right now, so I have hope. I'm not worried. He has no rivals. There are no equals. One tried to stand up to him. We know what happened to him. The word teaches us. The word will teach us if we get into it. It's a road map in this thing called life. It's a book of answers to all of our questions. It's a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. It's correction even when we don't want to hear it. It is our only source of hope. It never changes. Ever changes. There are, I'll throw this out there, there are translations out there you need to be careful that you're reading. There are translations that have taken Acts 2.38 and they have changed it to this. Repent, be baptized every one of you and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. What's missing? They've taken out the name of Jesus. Be careful what you're reading. Be careful what you're reading. If you ever want to you, you run it past me, I'll, I'll help you out. I'll show you. I'll show you what 
what you need to get into and what you need to stay away from. You see, it's, it's never changing. It can't be stopped. It's forever faithful to fulfill what it says. The back of the book says the church wins. Another reason I have hope in the midst of everything going on. I don't care what the news tells me about. Because I know who wins. I know who's, who's never lost a battle. He's never lost a battle. He's not going to start today. I understand that John 1 and 1, that in the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God and the Word was God. So before it was ever penned on paper, that it was alive. The Word was alive. The, 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 the Word was not just pages with ink printed on it. It's more than that. It's alive. This right here is alive. This is, this is not just another book. That this right here will breathe life into you when you begin to read it. It will never fade away. Matthew 24, 35 says, Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my words shall not pass away. We need the word in our lives. Let's go to our opening scripture again. If you've got your Bibles, why don't you, why don't you turn there real quick. I want, I want us to read this together. I don't know if you noticed this or not, but earlier, Brother Nana came up, and he was going to do announcements and uh, guest. And before he did that, he began to read scripture. That's all he did. He didn't try to hype us up. He didn't say, stand to your feet and worship God. None of that. He, he didn't do any of that. But all he did was simply walk up and started reading the word of God. You start speaking the word of God into your situation, I promise you, you instantly will feel a move of God. Because you begin to release the spirit of God in your situation. You, somebody, somebody needs to begin right now. I'm telling you what you need to do. You're, you're, you're facing demons. You're facing spirits. What you need to do is go home and those things that you're facing, you need to open up the word of God and begin to speak to those things with power and authority because apostolic authority, you're speaking the word of God directly to them and they have to bow and respond to the word of God. They have no choice. They have to bow at the mention of his name. The very word of our God right here. Don't tell me they can resist this. They can't. They have to flee. They have to leave in that moment. I remember when I was a teenager, I was told a story by my pastor. Pastor Tiller. He, he told me this story. He's, he was talking about a friend of his was in his church praying. And he said their church was just, just facing. I mean, they, were, they, were, they were just facing in a spiritual attack. And he said the pastor was all by himself in the sanctuary. And he said he was right there in front of the pulpit praying. And he said he just felt something in the spirit behind him. He said when he turned around, he said there was a spirit that was not of God. He said it went from the floor to the ceiling. He said, and I looked at it. He said, I, I started just, you need to leave. Get out of here. He said nothing was happening. He said the Lord checked his spirit and said, start reading my word. He said he grabbed his Bible, opened it up, and just started quoting. He just started reading scripture. He said that every time he would read a scripture, he watched that thing get a little smaller and a little smaller and a little smaller and a little smaller. He said it got down to us about yay big. He said I walked over and said, in Jesus' name, and I stepped on it. He said in that moment, he said that instantly their church was released from the spiritual battle they were facing. There is power in the spoken word of God. 
All right, let's go to Hebrews 4.12 if you've got it. Let's read it together aloud. For the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Man, that sounded good. I don't know. We sing together. I don't know if we've ever read scripture together since I've been here, but that sounded really good. I love that. So, now I was going to examine the sword today in two different perspectives, but I don't, I don't, I don't feel a release to go to the second one. I'm going to preach a whole other sermon next week on that one. So that means I'm going to be a little shorter today than I was. Hallelujah. You can say hallelujah. <laughs> but I will tell you what I'll be preaching next week, though. Today I'm going to be talking about the sword as a surgical tool. Next week I'll be talking about the sword as our spiritual weapon of defense. But you got to understand something. I shared this with Brother Non in the office earlier. The sword we always preach about as that spiritual sword of defense. But the Lord showed something to me. He said, this right here is not that always going to be that big giant sword. You see, before you can ever use that big giant sword in, in, in a, a battle for defense, you have to allow it to become the small surgical tool to make the incisions to prepare your heart to use that sword. The Lord shared something with me. I was driving home from work the other day. And it was, uh, I was driving back from Zanesville, and if you know the back roads, 1393, you have no cell service. It was quiet in my car. I love those moments. And the Lord spoke this to me. I was going to share this little thought next week, but I was going to give it to you now with that thought I just shared you to kind of share with you that we have to allow the sword of the Spirit to be that small surgical scalpel before it can be that sword in our hands. And this is what the Lord shared with me, and it all made sense. It all made sense after this. He said, you can't fight with something you're not familiar with. You can't pick this up just on the bad days and say, oh, the devil's fighting, so today it's going to be my sword. If you're not familiar with the tool, you, you give me somebody who does construction every day, I can, put, I can slap a, a, a cordless drill in their hand, and they're going to go to work, and they're just going to do their thing. But you give me somebody who has no background in that, and they're going to stand there like, what do I do with this thing? How does it work? What buttons do I push? 
to you understand that that's where I'm trying to get this church to a place that we allow this to be that surgical scalpel in our life and it begins to remove some things so that when, when, when the day comes, when the enemy comes at you, you pick this thing up as that sword that you're familiar with because it's in your life daily and you know what it feels like to hold in your hand. You know what it feels like to open up. You know what it feels like to speak that word. You, you don't have to think, what do I do with this thing? You know what to do with this thing because you're familiar with it. It's a part of your life. It's who you are and you begin to speak stuff and you're slaying giants left and right because it's who you are not something you pick up every once in a while so we're going to examine the surgical tool today the surgical tool there was a period in my life where I served in the medical field I worked in surgery and one of my favorite surgeries to stand in on was heart surgery I loved going into heart surgery. It was one of my favorite things to stand and watch. I remember my first time being there, I stood up at the head with the anesthesiologist and I, I looked right down into the chest cavity and I watched the heartbeat of an individual. We had a college student come in one time and the anesthesiologist said, are you sure you want to do this? Are you sure you want to be? Are you sure you're fit for this? She said, yes, I'm good. And he said, are you, are you sure? He said, have you, have you had breakfast this morning? Have you had anything to eat? Oh, I'm good, I'm good. And I watched as she got up there and she looked for about 10 seconds and then she began to walk out of the room and she got to the door and then boom, she just hit the floor. And when she woke up, the anesthesiologist said, honey, I would encourage you to change your major. But I loved watching it. I, I watched as the surgeon would slowly cut through the layer after layer of tissue and bone to finally make it to the place of the heart. He would work slowly as he would crank open the chest cavity to expose this tiny organ that's responsible for keeping us alive. But he would work with great skill, and he would take his time because he knew that his patients would wake up in enough pain as it is. So he worked slow. He would then make the famous request, Scalpel, please. It's not just on Hollywood. They really do it. And I watched as the surgeon would begin to remove areas that were blocked by damaging buildup that these individuals had allowed in their bodies. And over time, it began to damage their hearts. Their very source of life was struggling, and it required the surgeon to remove that which was killing them. You see, there are going to be times in our lives when our hearts will need examined by the great physician. The ultimate spiritual surgeon of our lives. You see, we, we have all intentions to do what's right in God's eyes as his people. We desire to have our hearts set on him. You don't wake up every morning with a heart that's set on going and doing wrong. You, you, you plan on doing right. You want to do what's right. That, that, that is our goal, is to do what is right in God's eyes. The psalmist writes in 119, 112, it says, I have inclined my heart to perform your statues forever to the very end. That's my desire. That's my heart's desire, God. So we got to understand that it has to happen from within. It's, it's not, I talked about on Wednesday night, it's not our good deeds that's going to save us. It, it's not what's on, just on the outside that's going to save us. 
But it is holiness of the heart. It is cleanliness of the heart. We, we, you, you can have all together on the outside and look like you're just perfect and fit for the kingdom. But if your heart is ugly, God wants nothing of you. But it is when the heart begins to change that what you do and what you say and how you act and the words that come out of your mouth, they begin to change because your heart begins to heal and form into the creator who created it. It has to happen within. It's, it's a heart thing, not just a behavior thing. But the belief that drives the behavior has to change or the change won't stay. So how do I change the things of my heart? I have to open myself up to the word of God. I have to open myself up to the great physician, the great surgeon, to take his word that someday I, I will use for defense. But I, I first must prepare myself on the table of the great physician and allow myself to be opened up, allow myself to be corrected, allow myself to, to, to have some things that I'm holding on to to be cut off and removed from me because it's blocking life flowing into me. And before I know it, I will live no longer if I allow those things to continue blocking off the flow of life into who I am. I have to open myself up to God's word. I must desire the things of God. We must desire the word of God in our life. I have set my heart to fulfill the things of God until he returns for me. Listen to that. I have, th that's how we should be living our life. I have set my heart, God, not just my mind, not my, just my thoughts. You see, you can get up in the morning and have all intentions to do right in your mind. But you walk out the door and you've got, you got ten different things that's trying to grasp your attention for the day. You completely forgot about what you were supposed to be doing. But when it's in your heart, it doesn't change. That you might have a thousand things trying to grasp you, grab you for your attention throughout the day. But if it's in your heart, nothing distracts the heart when it's set on something that you love. A husband who loves his wife will not go into a place and look at a coworker and have, have, have thoughts he shouldn't have. Because his heart is not set on her, but his heart is set on his wife. You see, when you're in love with God, the things of the world, they might flaunt themselves in front of you, but you don't care. Because I don't love you. I'm in love with him. So we have to desire the things that our heart must be set to fulfill the things of God until he returns for me. But just as we do with our physical health all too often, we also do with our spiritual health. Our fleshly desires outweigh our spiritual goals. We all set goals in January, right? Some of us set that yearly goal. You know what I'm talking about. Yep. We all set that yearly goal. But the problem is, is, is if we don't get control over the flesh, the fleshly desires outweigh our goals. If we don't get our flesh under control, 
then we can set a thousand spiritual goals for our life this year. I'm going to read the Bible clear to the very end, front to, front to back. I'm going to read the whole thing. But if, if we don't get our, our flesh, if we don't get our flesh under control, see, that's why I'm getting ready to take us into a time of, of, of prayer revivals and fasting. I'm getting ready to take the church into that because the flesh suppress, or the, the fasting suppresses the flesh which allows those spiritual goals to be met. So that's why we must get our flesh under submission to the Spirit. Galatians 5.24 says, this is the ESV, it says, And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and its desires. Romans 8.13 says, For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit... You put to death the deeds of the body. You will live. Live by the desires of the spirit, not the desires of the flesh. There will be moments that we realize that we're not as spiritually healthy as we used to be. You look at your life, you'll see that your prayer life is lacking. Maybe we're not getting in the prayer closet and reading God's word like we once did. And we begin to consume things into our life that are causing damage to the inside. That most don't see from the outside. See, a lot of people that, that go in and they have heart attacks and they're rushed into emergency rooms. A lot of the times, I can tell you because I worked in surgery for a while, but then I actually, the, the, I had moved over to the cath lab. You know what the cath lab is? That's, that's when someone's coming in and they're actively having a heart attack. They can come in. If there's a blockage, they'll go in and put a stint in. I moved over to that department for a while and I watched. And the crazy thing was a lot of the people that came in looked healthy. On the outside. They had no clue the damage that was done on the inside. And it's the same thing with us that we can, we can go through life and think we might have it all together spiritually. We're, we're doing good enough. We're getting by. We have no clue what the spiritual man looks like on the inside. But he's dying. He's slowly dying. But I come to church every Sunday, Pastor. I make it to Wednesday every once in a while. I'm doing all right. I'm getting by. You're slowly dying. Before you know it, the, the, the blockage begins to set in, and, and you don't know it, and you've neglected it. And that's what a lot of it is a lot of times, that people neglect our, our physical health. And it, it takes something to shake us. Like a heart attack, it takes something to shake us to say, what are you doing? Take better care of yourself. I, I, there, there are times, this is why I pray, Lord, if you've got to, if I'm not where I need to be spiritually, shake me. Shake me. Give me a spiritual heart attack or something. Wake me up, God, so I can see what I need to be doing. I, I, wish, that, I wish that all of us would pray that prayer. God, shake me if I'm not where I need to be. Shake me. It's in these times, times of fading, times of slipping away, times that we're tempted by our past sins. It is in those moments that we need the Word of God. It's in those moments we need the spiritual scalpel to be in the hand of the great physician. We must allow the Word of God to become that scalpel in the hands of the great physician. We need to understand that it is the word of God that shows a man's inner heart to himself. 
You begin to read the word of God, and I promise you, the things that maybe are, are in your life that you don't realize are there, there are things that don't please God. You start getting to his word, I promise you, it's going to be just, the, 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 it's going to be like writing on the wall for you. You're going to say, well, well what, what is that? It's God giving you revelation that I'm not pleased with those things in your life. Now lay back on the table and let me remove it. The word of God will do that. It's, it's, it's that examination that, that takes place. Before you ever go in, you got to understand, before you ever go in for the surgery, you got to go in for appointments. You got to get prepped for it, right? There's pre-op for a reason. You go in, the doctor comes out, are you ready? Are you ready for this? Are, are you ready? Let me examine you one more time. This right here is you're saying, God, examine me. Examine my heart, God. Examine. And if you need to, take me to the table and remove what needs to be removed. Because I want my heart to be after you. It is the word of God that removes your spiritual blindness to sin. There are things that you're doing. There are things that we do in our lives that you don't realize God's not pleased with. But I promise you, God will remove the blinders through his word. And he will reveal it unto you what those things are. You will want them removed. He'll show you where you're at. And he'll also show you where you need to be. But only the word of God can do that. I want us to look at a story I actually spoke about last week. The woman at the well. Jesus talked only for a little while with the woman at the well of Samaria. But his conversation, it served to open every dark corner of her heart and let the light in upon every sin that she had. Through that conversation, he talked her to a place where she was willing to say, okay, you can examine me. And then he revealed himself through his spoken word to her who he was And when she realized this is the Messiah, in that moment, she said spiritually, I'm going to lay back on the table. Do what you need to do because I know who you are now. Remove those things from me. All the wicked deeds that she had forgotten about, she was just living life. She had forgotten about the four of the men that she was with. She might have forgot about the one she was currently with until Jesus brought it up. Now, he began to restore these thoughts in her mind of who she was. And then so precise, the word from Jesus began to perform surgery upon her. His words as a spiritual scalpel began to reveal the issues of this woman's heart. Revealing to her her whole history at one cut. But Jesus, through his words, performed the surgery that this woman needed to save her life and to save her from herself. To save her from temptation of the flesh. It took place to save her from the sinful lifestyle that she was living. Well, listen, listen, listen to your pastor this morning. God, listen to me. You're saying, well, this is a woman from, this is a woman from the Bible times. Listen, I'm going to tell you though, I understand this is a story from the Bible times, but it's real. It's not make-believe. And I want to tell somebody this morning, you say, well, maybe, you know what, pastor, I kind of relate to that woman. I kind of relate to her. There are some things I need to be removed. I want to remind somebody this morning that the word of God has not lost its power. That the spoken words of God have not lost its power. 
that it has not lost its ability to cut deep into your heart of every person in this place this morning to remove that which is killing you spiritually. God is still in the surgery business. God is still in the healing business. God's still in the removing business. God's still in the restoring business this morning. A lot of the problem is we don't visit his office enough. God's word can still discern the secret things of our hearts. It's those secret sins that will kill you. It's those secret things you think nobody knows about. God knows about them, but you just got to open yourself up to allow him in. For it is the heart that must be open to God's word if we are going to be saved. It is the heart that has gone astray. It is in the heart that evil imaginations are born and where unholy thoughts are hatched out of wicked purposes. But thank God for his written word. Thank God for his written word that will convict you when you're doing wrong. Thank God that it will lead you when you're going astray. That it's, it's the word of God that will bring you back in when you've made the wrong turn in life and you're heading down a, a, a street that's going to be damaging to you that you can't get back from. It's the word of God that, that will begin to speak to your heart. It's the word of God that's alive inside of you. you, you see, there's a reason that you put the word of God in your heart. You let it be in there because I'm telling you, I love the fact that we have a quiz team now. I love that these teenagers are, are getting the word of God and they're planting it deep in their heart because there's coming a day where they're going to be tempted to walk away from this. I'm telling you, the world's going to tempt them, but there's going to be the word of God that's going to say, I can't do it. I can't do it. I know him. He's within me. His word is alive in me, and I can't walk away from it because I'll die if I do. I want to get all of us to that place where it's alive within our heart, not just twice a week, but every single day, God's revealing himself more and more and more. And he will. I love the story my wife told me the other day. She was talking to sweet Sister Brooks. I love Sister Brooks. If you love Sister Brooks, put your hands together for Sister Brooks. Not that Sister Brooks. We love you too, but that's Sister Brooks. But she was sharing with my wife that she was reading, uh, she was reading the story. Uh, what was she? I'm sorry, Luke, the Christmas story. She was reading the Christmas story, and she said, "It's I've been reading this shit. It's amazing that God was showing you new things." You've read this all your life, but God began to reveal to her new things in that story. Isn't it amazing? I mean, she's only sixty years old, but for sixty years. I'm your favorite person now. I know this. I'm not telling. I'm not telling age. But for a while, she's been reading this story. And God, all these years later, says, let me show you something new. His word is alive. He, he will reveal things in those moments that you need if you just open it up and allow him to begin to show himself to you. He'll convict you. I welcome conviction in my life. We need conviction. Don't, don't just wait to come in here on Sunday and get convicted by the word that I preach. Now listen, I will say this. If you get convicted by what I'm preaching, don't understand. It's not your pastor convicting you. It's the word of God that I'm preaching that's convicting you. Woo! 
it will convict us when we're doing wrong. And that will, that will lead us when we're going astray. And it can restore life unto us when we're dying in our own desires. It's the word of God. It's the word. It, it revives us. Somebody shout out, it revives us. It revives us. When, when you're laying on that table, and I've seen it happen. I, I, I've seen the flat line kick on. And I've seen the panic in the room. And people say, we lost them, we lost them, we lost them. And I've watched it. They got the paddles out and they put them on and boom. And boom. They do it again. Boom. And then, and then we got a heartbeat. We, we got a pulse. We got a pulse. We got them back. We got them back. And I've seen those people go on. That They died on the table right there. But the proper people and staff were around to make sure that they could bring them right back. You got to understand, it doesn't matter. You, you could be right there barely holding on to life, but, but God's word will be those paddles that will come in and shock you and will bring you back to life. It'll wake you up. It'll, it'll remind you how good God is. It'll remind you how good it is to walk in the presence of God. It'll remind you how good it is to be saved by him. It'll remind you the goodness of God. It's his word. When the, when the word of God begins to convict you, it, it's, it's, it's working on you. You've you got to allow the surgery to be completed. You see, because I begin to think about this, that, that when gangrene threatens a wound, that it is better that a part of the body should be quickly removed than that the whole body should perish. The skillful surgeon does not give pain for his own pleasure. When God begins to cut on you, it's not because he gets pleasure out of this. But for the profit of salvation unto his patience. You see, God doesn't pierce our hearts with the sharp two-edged sword of his word to hurt us. But that we may be awakened to our sin. And that our souls may be saved. In closing, I got one more one more story to share with you. Musicians, you can come. I want to take you to a very familiar book, a very familiar chapter. I want to take you to Acts chapter 2. Peter at Pentecost, we see him tracing that he's talking about the coming of Jesus Christ through the prophecies. And until he reaches the birth of Jesus and then following him on through his, his ministry, he's talking about him showing the people, talking to the crowd, showing that all the prophecies concerning the Messiah were fulfilled through Jesus. And that he indeed was the Savior for whom they had been looking. He's telling them, you've been looking for the Messiah. He's been here. He was Jesus. He's telling these people, you've been looking for him. And here, here he is, right here. He, he was here. And then with flashing eyes, he turns on them in a moment. And the Holy Spirit gives power to the word as he charges it straight home to the men standing before him. And in that moment, Peter declares that they themselves had taken Christ with cruel hands and had murdered him on the cross and that he had raised himself from the dead could you imagine talking could you imagine 
all my ministers in here, could you imagine me preaching? And you've got to begin to tell the individuals you're talking to the wrong they did, not knowing how they're going to respond to you. To be very straight with them, very clear with them. But he tells them, he says that you are the ones. The Messiah was here and you murdered him. You killed him. And in Peter's hand, the sharp sword of God's word pierced these men. Begin to pierce them right there in that moment. It began to hit them. The word of God speaking through Peter was that scalpel that was getting into them in that moment. And revealing unto them that the one that they had been looking for, the one they've been crying out for was right in front of them. And they are responsible for killing him. Talk about getting your toes stepped on by a preacher. Wow. But it says the words begin to pierce their hearts. And instead of being angry, this is what I love. Listen, listen. When I preach hard messages, respond in love because I'm preaching in love. Don't get angry. Don't get mad if I step on your toes about something. That's, that's not me. That's the Holy Ghost convicting through His Word. That's the Holy Ghost saying, let me in so I can cut some of this out. That's what that is. So the men, it says that they, they, they did not get angry, but instead of being angry with the messenger or seeking to harm him for his faithfulness, the sword of God so showed them their own wickedness that they cried aloud in that moment. And they said this, Men and brethren, what shall we do? They realized we messed up. We killed the Savior. What do we do now? What are we going to do now? But God had not been piercing their hearts with the sword simply to torment them. He did it to show them, to show them that deadly gangrene of sin that was in their hearts so that they might be healed and they might be saved and it said that that very day 3,000 souls 3,000 of the once haters of Jesus were baptized added to the church why why Listen, don't shoot the messenger. I preach it on Sundays. I teach it on Wednesdays. Your children are being taught the word of God on Sunday mornings, Wednesday nights. Our teens are being taught the word of God. I promise you, they're, they're being taught this right here. And I, I know there's sermons that are hard to hear, but... But I understand, like Peter, that the word of God is, is the only thing that can save you. It's the only thing that can save us. 
It's the only thing that's, that's, that, that's going to, in this moment, it's the only thing that's going to bring revival. It's the only thing that's going to save this nation in the condition that we're in. It's the only thing that's going to get you to heaven. But just as these men said on this day, I ask would be your response and our response to God's word today. Pastor, what must we do? We're not perfect. We've messed up. There is sin in my life. There is things I've not let go of. There are things, it's like a gangrene that is, is eating away. And I've got blockage in my heart and life is not flowing like it used to. I'm not operating in the things of God like I used to. I don't pray like I used to. My desire is not as strong as it used to be. Pastor, what must we do? Lay down on the table today. Come to an altar and spiritually open yourself up. Just as I would watch that heart, that chest be opened. And basically what that was saying was, surgeon, do what you need to do. Surgeon, do what you need to do because I, I need to live. I, I got to get off this table. I've got life to live. Listen, you've got life to live. God just spoke to us earlier. He's going to do things to this church we've never seen before. God's wanting to use you. But there are some things that need to be removed. Let's all stand right now all over this place. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give an invitation right now to this altar. That if you say, Pastor, no one's going to be looking at you. I wish that all of us would just flood the altars this morning. And we would say, God, examine me. There might be things there that you don't know are there. There might be blockage you don't realize is there. I wish that all of us would make our way to an altar this morning and say, God, examine my heart, Lord. Open me up, God. And the things you need to remove, God, remove those things from me, God. God, because nothing else matters, God, but being ready for you. I need your salvation, Lord. I need your love. I need your word to be a scalpel today, God. And work upon me, God. Remove those things that are not of you, that are not pleasing unto you, God. Do a work right now. These altars are open. I invite everybody in this room. Find a place to pray. Find a place to pray right now. Begin to talk to him. God, examine me, Lord. Examine me, God. Oh, Jesus. Oh, Jesus. It's the last thing I need.